0: Hello and welcome to Be a B2B Leader. I'm your host Felician and I'm a marketing manager that wants to learn more about business, marketing, and leadership. Today, my guest is Stefan Hedebrandt, the Chief Marketing Officer and co founder of Dream Data, where they help companies solve one of the biggest problems in B2B revenue attribution. In this episode, we'll learn why sales and marketing need each other and what is the key to alignment of those teams. Stefan will also share what is the main revenue driver in today's organizations. So, let's get started. Hi Stefan, and welcome to the show. Hi Felician, and uh, thanks for, for having me uh, me here. So, let's just jump straight in. Please tell me,
1: what should every B2B leader
0: know about sales and marketing?
1: <laughs> I think every B2B leader should know that it, uh, it works much better when both teams are... <laughs> aligned and trying to play uh, the same game what i mean by that is that uh, you want to avoid having these two silos that mm-hmm. you know when they do stuff they're actually not working towards the same goals or they're incentivized to do different things so don't know the value of each other and things become so much more effective when you understand why is the sales team doing like this who do they like to sell to what is marketing doing who are they trying to attract does that match what who people people in sales like to talk to and and so forth yeah. and do you think
0: that the problem exists partly because yeah companies always start with building the sales department first before they even invest in marketing
1: um i think it, it that differs a little bit from company to company i think one of the big problems is the nature of a, of a b2b uh, journey uh, it can be quite long and complex and have many people involved um, and it's quite easy for the sales t- team to prove uh, their value because they get a contract signed and everybody in the, org- in the organization can see now the customer signed this contract the marketing team typically you know the, their activities lie much earlier in the journey maybe three months six months earlier than when the contract is signed mm-hmm. and then it's harder to to both prove and claim the value of your activity if, if you don't have anything that kind of connects we did these things and now you sold uh, six months later yeah. so i think that the nature of it just makes it a little bit easier to appreciate the sales team rather than uh, the marketing team yeah
0: and i think it's
1: also a many
0: business leaders don't recognize the power that marketing has because yeah it's difficult to track those things and sometimes like let's say the design like you can't attribute uh, a client to solely the design that you have yeah but everybody knows that once you have a clear design that's neat and appeals to your audience people will be more likely to buy from you so yeah i agree and What would you say what's the key step for growth
1: if we want to align both sales and marketing Um, if i reflect upon what has worked really really well at at dream data is to have a very clear definition of who is the ideal customer for our product and our company which is something that both the sales people the marketing people the product people the customer success people all should be aware about and agree upon so that all the day-to-day activities can be can be taken up against this definition of who is our ideal customer. So an example could be who's marketing trying to attract? Well, it's the people that we've agreed is the people we have to attract. Yeah. Who are the product team building for? Well, they're building to our ideal customer profile. And who's the salespeople trying to sell to? They're aligning that towards our ideal customer profile as well. So I would say, like, if you haven't established kind of who is your ideal customer, that that would be my step one advice for for any organization. And it, it sounds like a simple exercise, but it can actually be very uh, painful sometimes to actually say, "Okay, we're not like somebody's knocking at the door, but we're not going to answer it because it's completely going to mislead our product if we sign these guys or." Yeah they're going to churn in a quarter because the CS team will never be able to make them happy. So I think both, yeah, it can be sometimes it's actually easier to start with an antithesis of who you should sell to. So you can make a list of who are we not selling to? Like for our case, it's, we're only selling B2B. So don't even try to sell to a B2C uh, company. So these different lists of, these are definitely not people you should be selling to that that can really help align the organization and and then join that together with what is the ideal customer then yeah if you enforce this then slowly everybody starts pulling in the same uh, direction like i've seen that way too many times
0: that yeah the CEO or someone from sales, they want to go after everyone because you have a product that can, yeah, can be used by everyone or a service. Yeah. But yeah, once you narrow down your focus, you will have much better
1: results. That's the truth. And yeah, everybody should recognize that. <laughs> but it is, you know, it's sometimes. You also have to be practical. <laughs> like, if you yeah. need the money, then sign the contract. Exactly. But, <laughs> but then, like, in better times, then be very deliberate about how you you do things. Yeah. So,
0: you said that step one is having a clear ICP. And yeah. What is step two?
1: Step two, I guess, uh, what I know best then would be to talk about the marketing activities. Um, and I think there's. Um, there's a couple of uh, things I would, uh, drill into here. One is I would start to think about, uh, our ideal customer profile and think about, uh, where on the internet can our ideal, or where in the world are our ideal customer expressing intent for purchasing a product like ours, uh, right now. So that could be people searching on Google, uh, I want to buy x piece of software <laughs> it can be people reading reviews uh, of different like for us it's software if they're reading reviews they're quite far in making a decision it can be uh, different kind of marketplaces for uh technology so in for example inside hubspot's marketplace if you're looking for an analytics product yeah. there you're quite far again so like think through where in the world and on the internet, can people express like an active buying intent and start covering those? Like if I was starting from scratch, that would be my focus one. Yeah.
0: And how do you find out where they hang out? So do you use tools like Sparktoro, or is it more about customer
1: interviews? Yeah, I would say even more like basics. Like I think if you, <laughs> a brainstorm in your team will tra- take you <laughs> quite far like like write down what what is your hypothesis of where are these people <laughs> yeah. that will uh, and then start testing that then uh, I don't think you need uh, obviously there's tools that are great for this but I think just do like a company uh, brainstorm about where is it that we need to be present
0: yeah. yeah your teams interact with those people so they should be more or less aware of that
1: you know you don't need a perfect answer you just need to you know a start and like i'm sure you can identify some good places yeah um a way to think about it is also that like there's this book sif godin wrote that is called tribes uh which is kind of what is a tribe and how does it look and how can you you know become the leader of it and i think it's actually a really good marketing tactic to think this way because most companies in the world doesn't have unlimited ad budgets so we can't kind of boil the ocean and just like have ads everywhere we need to be very deliberate about where we're present and what we are, where we're present should be very much steered by the ideal customer profile so if let's say we're let's say we're a, a surfers or like surfers is our ideal customer profile then you know there's probably a few professional competition going on every year there's a few magazines there's a lot of influencers, uh, there's, you know, uh, board producers. And like, when you once you start understanding your tribe, then you also know the places you will need to be present. And very typically, it doesn't ha- need a really large uh, advertising budget because you're just there whenever this tribe uh, gets together. And suddenly you can look omnipresent at a, at a relatively low uh, uh, budget.
0: I love this answer. I absolutely love it. But one point that comes to mind, what do you think about yeah, employee advocacy programs and personal branding inside smaller companies to create those influencers in those niches?
1: So it's something we do a lot uh, at Dream Data. You probably have also seen that. But I think it depends on, again, who, who are you trying to get in contact with? We are trying to get a hold of, of B2B marketers and, <laughs> you, you know, B2B marketers spend half their day on LinkedIn. So that's why for us, it's a very effective tactic. But if you're, um, you know, perhaps more like brick and mortar businesses or like, you know, a lot of developers don't like spending time on LinkedIn. So then uh, employee ad- advocacy at least gets hard on LinkedIn. I don't know if there are, you can do similar stuff on GitHub or uh, Twitch or <laughs> other places, yeah. but in general, I think it's it's a great uh, tactic because it can get you in front of the right people. Whether the tactic works, particularly in your whatever industry you're in, you will need to like test it and see if, uh, if it works out.
0: Yeah, like, it's always about picking the right tactics for your needs. And yeah, like, I'm a huge advocate for yeah, empowering employees to build their personal brands and to just yeah. be active because yeah let's face it at one point everyone will leave a company mm. and they will go further and if they have yeah. a positive experience with your brand then they will just refer friends to you etc so yeah.
1: yeah i think the thing with that is that you you just need to treat your employees as well as you can while they're with you and then at some point they'll get another job and yeah. you know that's just how life is
0: yeah it's, but if we
1: we can then start stacking upon what i said so one is the uh, ideal customer profile secondly you can start mapping uh, where is my ideal customer in the world uh, on the internet and then thirdly then if we go by the book then you should start writing down what are all the ideas now to reach these people that you have and then you would score them uh, maybe on the two three four components like is it cheap to do is it easy to do is it scalable what is what does your gut feeling say and then you score them from let's just one to five and if you do this in a structured manner then you'll have a long list of ideas and then also in your team you have ranked the ideas of what is good and bad and then you should start taking those that seems like lowest impact highest effort
0: Mm
1: and then try it out, see how it goes. And um, after a week or a month or a quarter, you return back to the list and say, is this this still the list that we wanna come about? Or should we come up with new ideas and try other stuff? But I really feel that if you run a like systematically grow, then you need to kind of add the structure to it that write down the ideas, you actually rational think about what is the best ideas. You try them out, see, how does how do they work in the real life? And once you know that, then you decide upon whether to scale or stop uh, something. Yeah. And
0: do you think that content should be the main revenue driver in today's organizations?
1: Hmm. No, not necessarily. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm not married to any growth tactic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like whatever works, just keep uh, keep repeating that. So that, to, to me, it's more like. You know industries vary people's skills vary so you know like structurally test all sorts of different stuff and then once you find something that works that could be content seo or ads or you know outbound mm-hmm. phone calls or whatever it is then start scaling the scaling things yeah. and i think that that is important where balance you need to keep is then that is kind of you can't experiment 100% of the times. Mm-hmm. You need to kind of, the things that works are the things you need to scale. Yeah. And then for 10 or 20% of the budget, you can experiment trying to find new sources of uh, of growth. But if you yeah. shift away from what's working, then you don't have any funds to try uh, the experiments. Yeah. And I've done that in my past. So I'm <laughs> just putting it out in the warning that don't constantly throw around the budget, like sustain the things you know are working. So you have kind of an engine running and then, but then also do constantly experiment with small things. So you have your next idea if you suddenly exhaust a channel or, you know, LinkedIn throws you off the platform or whatever, then you have a new tactic you can get a hold of instead.
0: Yeah, like I think that's often the case with search advertising that people scale it to the maximum and at one point they start just burning budget. Yeah. <sighs> Even though they should, yeah, let's say cut 10% of the budget and put it into something new, like let's say yeah. a podcast or anything and it will yield better results. Yeah. But yeah, how do you identify
1: which content works actually? So I think there's, there's two, two ways to address this question. And then there's the, there's the qualitative aspect of whenever you share it uh, somewhere uh, in Slack channels or on LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, wherever mm-hmm. you share it, you can see that people engage with it, uh, like people liking it, commenting on it, sharing it, um, hearing anecdotes about it on sales calls or when <laughs> demo calls are booked. Uh, I think that is kind of the first thing I would focus on uh, like just taking a lot of screenshots whenever you see great feedback to your content because it is a you know there's the kind of these leading and lacking indicators so mm-hmm. it's the first signs that you produce some content that that is great it is that there's good engagement and you can see people consume it the lacking indicator which is also the important one is that you're that you need to be able to, kind of proof that this early engagement also leads to uh, to producing sales pipeline or producing <laughs> deals that you actually get signed. And this can be more complex. Uh, you can buy a tool like Dream Data that solves this for you, or you can come up with several like build-it-yourself <laughs> solutions. Uh, I think something that is not unreasonable to do if you, you're on a lower tech budget than you know just start understanding you need to identify a proxy for what's what becomes revenue and you know at best you can always explain how did we win this deal but maybe you can only explain how did it enter the sales pipeline or maybe you can only just explain how did they book a demo call or even earlier how did they arrive at the website so what I'm trying to say is like find something that is early and something that you can prove um, so that could be you know, you trying to look at the blog posts that produce uh, demo calls that gets booked. So it could be somebody arrives at this, um, this blog post that they found through Google, and then they go and book a demo. Mm-hmm. So and, typically, yeah. Yeah, if you increase the amount of demo calls that comes in, then a couple of months later, then you make more money.
0: Yeah, like it should work like that. <laughs> yes,
1: but, <laughs> somewhat. But
0: what do you think about self-reported attribution? Should companies also use it? Uh,
1: Yes, I think definitely. It's also like a low-hanging fruit. Um, So just to explain what self-reported attribution is for for those who don't know, uh, it's basically that you ask the user about where did they hear about you from. That can either be like a verbal question in a sales meeting, demo call, or it can be when people... uh, submits forms on your website, like, I want to book this demo, and then you include, where did you hear about us from? I think b- because it's such a cheap uh, exercise, and it gives anecdotes about how you make money, I would always advise people to, to run these self-reported things. Uh, when we tested it at our, at our company on 100 demo calls, uh, mm-hmm. we published a blog post about how <laughs> what we found, we we unfortunately found it to be rather um, useless from a, like a scale perspective, uh, because people, first of all, they don't know uh, how they really re- got into your funnel. Yeah. They do remember a highlight, and it's also important to know the highlight. Uh, but typically, <laughs> then you're also battling your own confirmation bias. So. <laughs> <laughs> We just started a podcast and I just want to see our podcast. And if one out of a hundred says the podcast is there, then you say, oh, okay, look, the podcast is there. So so there's some confirmation bias you should be uh, careful about as well. But then also we found examples where people type in, where did you hear about from us from? And then they write Google. Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) Uh, was did you click something organically or did you click some click an ad Uh, which ad was it Uh, which page did you land at what were you searching for all these things are not explained so it can for me it's it's hard to make it directional but because it's such a low low entry fee to like get that Mm -hmm. data point as well i would advise people to to do it yeah. Uh, and you do get these anecdotes that I met this person at this conference. I listened to you on this podcast, and it's not unvaluable. It's just just be careful that it, you don't let it bias your decision about how you uh, make money. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't hurt,
0: but no, exactly. Yeah, you have to look through a thick lens at it, like if it really makes sense. <laughs> mm. And yeah, once you have that self-reported attribution, once you have all the data from. Yeah, from Google Analytics, from Dream Data, let's say. So how can you use it to improve the customer experience?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think the good question here is really, uh, yeah, <laughs> what, what, why, what is the under, underlying why of why are we caring about these things? And for me, it's, um, it's a question of me, uh, like, I want to win. And the, the way to kind of win this, uh, this game that we're playing here and an easy tactic is to to be aware about if you won 100 deals last year, how did you win each of those 100 deals so you can go out and kind of uh, try to replicate some of the tactics that you know works. Mm-hmm. I sometimes think about it as when I was a kid and playing computer games, you can get some cheat codes <laughs> that you can type in and then you ha- had extra life or power or something mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> And like by knowing these hundred deals you won last year, that enables you to make much better decisions about what can we do uh, next year. So that is kind of that's my approach to it. By knowing what works, I can repeat it. And then the way to action it, I think about a uh, a bell curve or like a normal distribution. Um, and what the, the easiest things to act upon are the ones that are significantly poor, bad. What is the ones that looks significantly good? <laughs> and then like if you constantly like try to get rid of those things that you can see, okay, this did not work at all. Let's scrap the budget here. And then we have these two, three things that is actually working really well. Let's funnel the budget over here. And if you constantly are in this cycle between, let's analyze the activities we do that get a lot of resources that is not working and then pushing it into more safe bits where you do have proof that should <laughs> improve your customer acquisition, uh, over time.
0: Some businesses operate mostly on relationships and, uh, yeah. And their networks in general. Mm. And yeah, the sales conversations that, yeah. Buying new customers, it all happens offline. Yeah. So how can you track those things? So after yeah. every meeting, should you update just the CRM
1: or what? yeah that's a good question uh, Felician and you know to be honest it's just harder uh, so I think I would also like I would really like really add, uh, what's it called uh, recommend to do like you know company dialogues <laughs> about how is it we make money like ask this yeah. question around uh, how did we win this deal well it's because I met this conf- this guy at this conference as in one person saying that, maybe another person also made one at the same conference and then it was that we then took them to this steak restaurant. <laughs> that was the good steak restaurant. So you need to you need to constantly be asking the question and build that narrative in your company. What is it like be deliberate about how we do things? Yeah. And if it's offline touches that matters, well it can still be a deliberate tactic to do xyz uh, offline uh, activities yeah like i think that's
0: where the friction point can come in between sales and marketing that yeah sales can go to conferences and yeah just as participants make lots of connections and yeah then they come and they say that they want the client but marketing provided them with presentations provided them with different materials and mm. they've built the online presence, they handle the website, and all that stuff that's happening around the brand. And, you know, they don't get recognition for that, for example. Yeah. And I think that somehow those teams have to be aligned, at least, yeah, make it clear that we are contributing to the same goal. Mm. Maybe our input isn't, yeah, as visible as yours, but it's there. Yeah. And... Yeah. How often do you think think should sales and marketing talk with each other in general?
1: (laughs) Every day. Every day. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Like there should be conversations about every lead that converts on the website. Was it a good fit or a bad fit? Where did it come from? Should we do more of this? Should we do less? Um, Besides the kind of everyday comment, then I would say like... Whenever there's a weekly sales meeting, make sure that somebody from marketing sits there and listens to what is being said. Are the customers asking repeatable questions? Are they saying you have a an ugly website? Um, like, for the, Because marketers think differently. Like Salespeople think about this one-to-one, how do I close this deal? But the marketers are quite typically thinking about how can I do a one-to-many uh, solution to this question that is coming in? And if, if a salesperson receives one question one time, that's probably just the tip of the iceberg of who else is interested in this. So maybe there's a tough question in sales. Let's write a really, really good answer for it on, in a blog post. So make sure you invite somebody from the marketing team. They don't even have to do anything. They should just sit and listen to what the salespeople talk about weekly. Yeah. And the same thing <clears throat> you should have the sales team come in and present uh, to the marketing team, who do we like to sell to? Why mm-hmm. is this a good fit? Uh, is there any content that you guys are missing? Is there is there anything we can supply you with? Do you have enough leads like all these, I think it's about being responsible and making sure that both parties uh, go into the each other's departments and whether that's physically or digitally and, and ask these questions. Because you can only spend your like your company resources once and you probably want that to be going in the, in the same direction rather than being spent on two separate uh, projects. Yeah.
0: Like it's all about helping each other.
1: It's super yeah. much and like said, and then everybody yeah. should know that the scorecard in the B2B company, that's, that's sales. So that also means you should, like, you cannot discuss what's the score on the clock. It's, it's what did we sell something or not sell something. Yeah, and that that should the product team know. The CS team should know. The marketing team knows, and the salespeople's salary uh, often depends on this as well. Yeah. And Stefan, what would you
0: say? What's the biggest takeaway from our conversation?
1: <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure people will uh, go think about. Uh, have we really aligned sales and marketing efforts enough in our companies? Or mm-hmm. can we get to know each other better? Is it time to go out and get drunk and share some <laughs> stories between us? Uh, because that will make you mm-hmm. use your resources a lot more effectively if everybody is kind of just working towards the same mm-hmm. same goal. And a great place to start is uh, like by defining an ideal customer profile. Yeah.
0: Perfect. And who should I interview next?
1: Oh, I think you should uh, interview my friend who's called Emil Krestensen. Uh, he's the uh, CMO at a company called Drip, which just acquired the company he, uh, he co-founded uh, called Sleeknote. And I think he he has a lot of, it's one of those guys uh, that I look for for inspiration. And I think you'll, you'll learn a lot from him as well. Awesome. And where can people find you? And please
0: tell them more about Dream Data. The problem you solve.
1: Yeah, so they can definitely find me on LinkedIn. That's where I also spend most of my time, and I'll yeah happy to apply reply any questions they might have. Um, for the like the product part of what we do, go to dreamdata.io. Um, we've launched a, a, a Google Analytics alternative for B two B companies, where you install it for free on your website, and it tracks the same things as Google Analytics, but everything. Is in a b2b context so we care about companies industries size of the companies visiting your website etc and uh, yeah that can be your first start in kind of connecting your activities towards producing pipeline and revenue um but it's free to check out it would be cool to see some more people there
0: yeah. awesome okay so stefan thank you very much for today
1: it was yeah, great thanks to have you as a guest
0: and we'll see you on linkedin yeah <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Be a B2B Leader. If you liked this episode, make sure to leave a review in your favorite podcast app. Also, if there is something you would like to learn, let me know. After all, we are building a knowledge base for B2B.